You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. I am your host, Patrick Kahn. Follow me on Twitter at Pat Sports Guy. Follow the show, Locked On Horns. Joining me today is the newest writer for Longhorns Wire. Shane Carter's joining me. Longtime friend, finally now working together. We're going to get his take on Steve Sarkeesian, Texas basketball, the Mike Stoops situation, the, the entire staff. We're going we're gonna to get through it all. Let's kick it off with some recruiting talk. Now, Shane, it seems like with Steve Sarkeesian coming in, it's wide receiver Palooza. Uh, down in Austin. So my question is, how many of these wide receivers are they going to go after? How many are they going to sign? And, you know, what's kind of what's the plan here? Because it seems like a little bit of everything right now for the 2022 recruiting class. Well, I mean, if we know anything about Sarkeesian is he loves his offense. He's been able to innovate different teams, different styles. You look at Washington and USC. Obviously, uh, USC ended worse than he would have liked they were on the up and up in terms of recruiting. And then when he goes to the Falcons, they were part of that team that people were thinking of as the uh, greatest show on turf 2.0. And then he goes to Bama, and then you see that they're, they're incorporating all these different offensive looks. Because before he was there, if you remember, everyone thought of Bama as like a safe, like run the ball, throw on occasion, just play hard-nosed defense. And then when Sark got there, they started spreading the ball around. They threw the guys like Jerry Judy. They threw the uh, – Harry Ruggs, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, and then they got uh, this Mechie guy for next year. And now when he goes to Texas, they already, they already, they already, uh, they already got their guy in Jatavian Sanders. That's, that's the guy for next year. So all these receivers coming in are looking at that national championship, that coach that created this, that created this offense, and how wide receiver friendly it is. And they're like, I want to be part of that because Texas, uh, with with the mindset that these recruits might have, might be thinking that we could be wide receivers in a couple years. You know, it's interesting that you bring that up. Like Jatavian Sanders is kind of that. He's that hybrid, right? He's that tight end, big slot guy, guy you can kind of put everywhere. Uh, so when you look at him, I, you know, I, I can understand why they would want to go with him. Already in-house, you have Troy Omier. You have Jordan Whittington, five-star guy. You have Jake Smith, four-star guy, a couple guys out of the slot. Joshua Moore. They got wide receivers, and you're just going to add to it. I mean, we already saw a halftime national championship game. You got Armani Winfield out of Louisville commits. At halftime, he's like, I've seen enough. I've seen what number six is doing. I want to do it. Now, recently, a guy it seems like we've been chasing all year out of Frisco Liberty. It looks like Evan Stewart might be leaning towards Texas now. So how, how do all these guys fit? And, and it doesn't really matter. Like if you go, okay, well, this guy's a prototypical X. This guy's a prototypical Z. Does it matter? It's just give me three to four wide receivers out at all times and let's just go. Well, I would uh, I would tell these recruits this even if it's a, even if you have to like wait your turn if if you look at what we did at Alabama he had these like rotating guys receivers in there Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs were the guys la- last year Demonte Smith and Jalen Waddle saw the field a little bit but they were more rotational guys and then they come in the very next year and they take over so if if they can uh, believe in this sort of process to sort of uh, hey it's your it's your turn when it's your turn and they know when they get there in this offense with their skills that they can develop that way, that's something that you, that you can really uh, sell to these high-profile wide receivers. And you mentioned the guys they have on, they have on the roster they have uh, on the roster right now. 
I, if I'm them, I'm excited for what, uh, for, for the potential, what that's, that they could grow from this, because you look at Texas receivers in the last couple of years, you had guys, you know, like, uh, uh, LJ Humphrey, you had Colin Johnson, you, you know, you had all, all these guys uh, go, going the draft the last couple of years, but no, none of them really seem to be like these end all be all wide receivers. And you would like, for, you would like for Texas to be able to, uh, bring in more receiving talent because the way that college football and the NFL are looking is more pass happy, more spread the ball route, more three receiver and a tight end or four receiver looks. So what you want is you want these guys to say, Hey, with, with, with Sark here and this offense, I can get more looks. I can get more throws my way. I can develop better as a receiver. And even the guys that maybe hadn't, hadn't developed that well in that last year in their senior year or whatever, maybe they get a, a camp invite or something like that, just because they fought, they fought, they, uh, they went into this new sort of system that the NFL is adapting to and they're able to succeed at, even if it's just an, at a minimal level. Yeah. So let's, let's focus on the 2021 class mostly because next week is national signing day. Right. And so we want to look at some recruits that they need to chase. And for me, I think I started out with, with the running back LJ Johnson jr. Out of, out of Cy fair in Cypress, Texas. Where do you look beyond him? Because obviously He's got a good relationship with Stan Drayton. It's down to Texas versus Texas A&M. Where do you go beyond him? Well, one guy that I think a lot of people are keeping their eyes on is uh, this kid for a smell Monday from Dallas. He's uh, he, he, again, we're this, we're this close to the end. Originally it looked like Florida and LSU were like his preferred options, but they kind of pulled away from that area. Now it's looking more like Texas is in the mix and Georgia is, is up there with it. So that's definitely one that you want to keep your eyes on. I, uh, you know, you, you, you said uh, you say Kamar Wheaton, obviously, you know, with, with the way I'm actually looking, you have you have Bijan Robinson. You saw what he did as a freshman. I think if you had that same mindset in the running backs room where we can just keep rotating guys in and out, there, there's no reason why you couldn't have all the all the running backs you want. Uh, nowadays, they call it 40 burger, but as many points as you want. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, another, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say you 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 want that. And yeah, you have Bijan Robinson and, and he kind of looks like this all world running back. But you got to have somebody who can spell him. And, and while they do have Roshan Johnson, they're losing uh, Keontae Ingram to the transfer portal. So, yeah, more bodies in there is, is always a positive. And, and with that position, you need multiple bodies. Uh, yeah, so I, I think, you know, when you look at it, I mean, offensive line would be a big help there. Uh, I, I, running back, I like LJ Johnson. Kamar Wheaton, I don't know that Kamar is going to come off of his commitment. Uh, from Alabama, even though most of the coaches that were in that process are now at Texas. Um, you know, he's probably looking at that going, I could be a big star in that offense. And that's understandably so. But, I, you know, I think when you look at some of these recruits, uh, they're going to fill guys in from the transfer portal. They're going to fill guys in uh, when it comes to the recruits. I mean, we still have to find out about Eric Gray, who's transferring from Tennessee. He's kind of narrowed it down. It's Texas or it's Oklahoma, you know. So that's where it sits right now. Uh, but Shane, let's talk some basketball coming up. We're gonna get into uh, what's going on with Shaka Smart and the Texas versus OU game that's going on tonight. All right, as we get closer to the Super Bowl, are you ready for some football? There's going to be a huge matchup when we're talking about the Super Bowl. Kansas City Chiefs, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady. The kid versus the goat. There's only one place that has you covered and only one place that we trust. BetOnline.ag. 
Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag. Use that promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Make sure you know who to pick, what the prop bets are. Look no further than betonline.ag. Use that promo code LOCKEDON to receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sports books experts. We talk basketball. I wanted to let you know you can get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast bringing down the biggest stories with analysis from your local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you'll need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcast. All right, we got some basketball talk to get into before we get into Mike Stoops and thoughts on the staff. So, Shane, the the big thing right now that we know, Texas hasn't played a basketball game in over a week. They've been dealing with Iowa State canceled their game, and then TCU canceled both due to COVID-19. Well, now we're hearing that Shaka Smart uh, has COVID-19. He reported that on Monday. He tweeted it out uh, that he is in isolation, and he looks forward to getting back to the team as soon as he's able to do so. Does that make a big of an impact as you might think with the head coach out, even though you have his trustworthy assistant that he brought over from SMU and KT Turner? Do you look at it that way or or is it just is is it more that you have the talent, they know what to do? Uh is, is that kind of how you look at it? Well, you have the talent, but I think you gotta also consider the fact that this is your arch rival and they're a pretty good team too. This uh, you know, Oklahoma is just right behind Texas in the Big Twelve. And, and Baylor right now is up top, but their top seeds are actually really attainable, especially for, for both these schools. If I'm look, if I'm Oklahoma, I'm thinking, oh, this is our arch rival. We already want to beat them, and now they're down their head coach, and they haven't played in a week, like you said. So they're they're still they're still not not raw, but they're they're kind of rusty. Yeah, they're rusty. That's, yeah. that's the right word for it. And so even though Texas has the better record, and they are ranked ahead, Oklahoma's a little more fresh. Oklahoma's feeling a little better, and they have a lot, and they have their coach coming. So if I'm Oklahoma, I'm seeing this as the opportunity to jump Texas in their building. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And, and the fact that, you know, they had three players that were in protocol and, and we're not 100% sure if they're going to play tonight or not. You're talking about your freshman star in Greg Brown. You're talking about Kai Jones, who provides so much minutes and so much energy off the bench. And, you know, Brock Cunningham, who does all the dirty work. Um, you know, those are three key guys that they're going to be missing. So I don't think this is going to be an easy matchup for any means. Yeah, Oklahoma's not as high as they once were, but they just beat Kansas. Now, yes, Texas has beaten Kansas this year, but they beat Kansas. I mean, Kansas is still a good basketball team. They're very well coached by Bill Self. They're not as good this year, yes, but yeah. the Big 12 to me, and you you could probably make this argument as well, is there a tougher conference in basketball right now than the Big 12 with when you're looking at a Baylor, when you're looking at a Kansas, a Texas, Texas Tech, West Virginia? I mean, is there a, a tougher conference right now than the Big 12? You know, the Big 12 right now kind of reminds me of what the ACC used to be when they had uh, North Carolina and Duke at the top every year. And you had teams like uh, Florida State and Wake Forest like coming at them every single year. It's kind of what the Big East once was. Everyone talks about the Big East in the era of, of like 80s and early 90s basketball as being the basketball conference. And the Big 12 in the last couple of years, as they've grown in depth, has become more and more of a, of a basketball powerhouse. Now, obviously, we'd like to see someone other than, other than Kansas win a championship. 
Tech obviously competed for the last one before the before the season was canceled. So you let you let see more of that. But you know, the Big Twelve right now, I would say that if they're not the best basketball conference, they're the deepest. If you want to talk about you want to talk about best, you might say one conference is top heavy and the rest are bad. Whereas the Big Twelve across the board, even their worst teams could could beat some of the uh, some of the better programs and some of the lesser conferences. Yeah, you talk about an Iowa State team that you know they're not very good when you look at their record. Uh, but the interesting part is they gave Texas a run for their money. They gave Baylor a run, you know, and, and Baylor looks like they're probably the best team in the country. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'd kind of like to see them and Gonzaga go at it, you know, to determine who is the true, you know, number one, but maybe we'll get that when tournament time comes, you know, but you, but you, but you look at it and you're right. It's not top heavy uh, in the big 12. I'm like, yes, you do have three teams in the top 10, uh, but you know, Kansas is still a danger. Oklahoma's a danger. And we haven't even talked about Oklahoma state who might be the, uh, the dog. They always seem to sneak in, don't they? Well, yeah. I mean, they, they have their issues, but you know, they have the, if not one of, if not the top freshman in the country and Cade Cunningham, who can, he can go off at any moment. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, I think when you, when you talk about it up and down, so I wanted your quick thoughts. If you had to power rank the top four teams, like where, where does it sit right now? Is it, is it Baylor then Texas? And then kind of, how do you, how do you look at it from like, just like the top four teams right now? Okay. So I think you have to respect Baylor for what they're doing. I think they would tend to be at the top. I mean, yep. they're, they're second, they're second in the country, like I said, just behind Gonzaga, but really if those two teams played the championship, I mean, no one would really be surprised right behind them. Uh, we have to assume that Texas, even without Shaka and even without having to play a game in a while, they're still right there with them. I would say that, yeah, I would put Texas number two. I would put Tech third. Just, I mean, I, and, I, and I know, like, obviously a lot of people on Longhorns uh, fandom are probably both happy and hating the fact that I put the Sooners fourth. But, you know, Tech, just with Chris Beard and the program they've built up, they've become a, a bigger and bigger contender each year that they're there. Um, I think even though Tech beat Texas recently – I think uh, I think the I think the way that Texas um, plays, especially at home, really really kind of shows that even even though Tech can play anywhere, Texas has, sort of is a really good overcome kind of team. You look at Andrew Jones, what he went through, and if they can win this game without Shaka Smart, they're going to be that team that can overcome anything. And really, it doesn't matter if it's Baylor, Tech, or Oklahoma. Texas really can hang with anybody in this, in this, in this conference. Just I have Oklahoma just on the outside of that. I think for me, it goes Baylor, Texas. Texas Tech, obviously, and I think I think you could actually swap Texas and Tech because I think they're that close to each other, you know. Yeah. I but I think when you look at the experience level and in the guard play from Texas, it, it kind of puts it over the top for me because those three guards are really good. And Matt Coleman, Andrew Jones, like you said, uh, we hadn't talked about the uh, the junkyard dog and, and Courtney Ramey. Um, you know, so yeah, Texas two, Tech three. I got West Virginia four because West, Vir- mm. West Virginia is a scrappy team, and Huggins is going to have that team ready to play. So it's hard for me not to put West Virginia up there. Uh, we'll find out. I, you know, I'm not going to say we're going to find out a lot about Oklahoma in this game because obviously Texas is going to be undermanned without their without three key players and their head coach. Uh, but you're going to find out a lot about Texas uh, in this mm-hmm. game against Oklahoma. So let's uh, let's end the segment out with your pick. 
Who are you taking in this game? You got Texas winning this game at home, undermanned against Oklahoma, or are the Sooners going to get the better of Texas on Tuesday night? So I'm actually going to go with Oklahoma just because I think not having your coach uh, in professionals, you might be able to get away with that. And college is a little bit different. I think also, and I think just them not having not played in a while and Oklahoma coming in hungry, coming in hot, I think they're probably going to win this one. But Texas, they might get that revenge game in Norman at the, at, in, a, in a month. But for now, I'm going sooner. Uh, I think I'm going to stick with Texas in this. And I'll tell you why, because I believe in the three-headed monster that they got in the guard play, the leadership of a Matt Coleman, uh, and like you said, this is a rivalry game, so I, they're not going to take them lightly uh, one bit, and they're, they're going to want to win this game, especially after losing this game at home last year, had to go on the road to get their revenge in Norman. So I'm going to stick with that. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk about another Sooner, uh, former Sooner in Mike Stoops, and uh, we're going to get Shane's thoughts on this staff that has been assembled under Steve Sarkeesian. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all of the parts you'll ever need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endear the often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? What model is it? What brand is it? Is it an LX? Is it an EX? And you got to stand there and wait while the guy at the counter looks up the parts on his computer, choosing only the brands that they happen to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at your home? Or even in your pocket. One reason to repair and maintain your car is to save money. That you can use for other important things like mortgage, food, or maybe your daily spending. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, or 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership? Head on over to rockauto.com. They have everything from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on on the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Head on over to rockauto.com. Today's world of being stuck inside with the pandemic and everything, we still want to be healthy, right? You still want to eat right. Get your energy up and be able to power through your day. Make sure you're checking out Bill Bar. Bill Bar is great for the health-conscious person. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for the keto diet. There's plenty of great ones. Today, I had the peanut butter bar. 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams net carbs. There's 12 original flavors, 6 new flavors. Check it out. Go to BillBar.com. Use the promo code Locked On. You're going to get 20% off your next order. Remember to use that promo code Locked On. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for 20% off at BillBar.com. We wrap up this conversation with Shane Carter of Longhorns Wire. I just want to remind you, NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson host the Locked On Peacock and Williamson every Monday through Friday. Brian and Matt give you a national perspective all around the NFL. Covering all the latest news, insight from every game, every team, every move around the NFL. Get your picks, previews, and much more every weekday with Peacock and Williamson Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. All right, so the the wild story over the weekend, I haven't really covered it. I mean, I kind of touched on it here and there, but we're going to talk about this real quick. It seemed like 
Mike Stoops was, as of Friday night, Mike Stoops was in line to become the inside linebackers coach at the University of Texas, which brought on a level of heat from the fan base that I have not seen in some time. Well, probably since the last time Tom Herman screwed over a game and they wanted him fired after the game. But I digress. Uh, the the Mike Stoops situation, like, what was your initial thought, Shane, hearing that he could be the inside linebackers coach, the fallout on social media, and then we wake up Saturday morning to report that he ain't coming to Texas at all? I mean, what was your what was kind of your thought process through that? I'll be honest, I was kind of surprised they went for him at all just because he has the ties to OU and Texas and OU. Like, they don't really have a, a great relationship of sharing, of sharing coaches and sharing prospects. If anything, they, they, have, they, have a, they have a history of, like, trying to lure people from, from them just kind of bad-mouthing each other. So I think that was Sark really just saying, like, hey, I understand the rivalry, but I'm here to, I'm here to uh, bring, uh, quote-unquote, Texas back. You know, how many times have we heard that yep. over the years? I think he was tired of hearing that. He said, he said, I know, I know he's a rival coach. I know he coached at the team they all hate the most, but he might be the most qualified guy we got. He can come in coach the linebackers and get us where we need to go. So I was surprised that they, that they would even like uh, interview him to be honest, but uh, it, it ended kind of almost as bad as we, as we could have expected. It to. Yeah. I mean, I, I get it. Like the, and I think a lot of it, not just that he was Oklahoma, you know, I think people remember those defenses, those Mike Stoops defenses of the, you know, that led up to his firing in 2018. And so, you know, I, I think they look at that and they go, oh, no, I don't want that in here with this defense with Pete Kwiatkowski, uh, those those type of things. And then, and then come to find out, you know, he's not getting the job. They go with Jeff Choate out of Montana State, FCS head coach, takes a step down to take the co-defense co coordinator job inside linebacker a guy that's familiar with Kukowski, it makes me wonder, maybe Sark offered the job and then Kukowski told Sark, hey, he doesn't really fit defensive philosophy like what I want uh, from my inside linebackers. That's kind of my my thought process. I actually heard... I actually like looked up and heard and heard two different reports about the about the reasons why he didn't he didn't uh, he didn't get the job. So the original one makes a lot of sense, and that was he hadn't directly coached just linebackers since 1991 over at the University of Iowa, and they thought that you know while he's coached like the entire defense, he hadn't really been a positional guy in that certain area for thirty wow thirty years. Mm -hmm. uh, another report I heard, and this and this is actually kind of a wild story. I have to get my notes out for this one. So apparently, about three or four years ago. He had badmouthed a uh, a recruit that was choosing between Texas and OU. He had badmouthed Texas to the point uh, that the uh, I think it was the assistant principal had heard about it, and the assistant principal had actually had actually told someone in the in the University of Texas about this. And so, like that's what that sort of, that sort of story kind of like is a, another reason why like no one in Texas like no, wanted him either. And I guess Sark just kind of gave. Yeah, him. I, so that's that's a wild, that'd be wild if that was. I, I have heard that report as well, so it's not something that's new to me. Um, I don't think that that would be a reason not to hire a guy because either to me, either he's good enough for the job or he's not right. Um, but I understand the recruiting aspect is so huge in, in college football that you kind of have to pay attention to that. Uh, but you know, the Mike Stoops situation, it was funny for a moment. Oklahoma fans had fun with it. Texas did not until he didn't have the job. Then Texas started having fun with it again. Um, you know, so the fan base enjoyed it. I wanted to get your initial thoughts, though, 
as we conclude this episode of the Locked on Longhorns podcast. What was your overall thoughts on this entire staff? Uh, first, we'll start offense, and then we'll go defense. When you look at the staff on offense, uh, you know, like, what was your thought of what he put together on offense? Whether you're talking about Kyle Flood, Stan Drayton, AJ Milwe, um, and and Jeff Banks. Okay, yeah. So I think uh, you know the Kyle Flood one didn't, didn't really surprise me much. You know, he uh, they coached together at Atlanta, they coached together in Bama. So th- that was kind of like a even though he's qualified, that that kind of felt like sort of a buddy hire, didn't it? But it's also a guy that knows his system, system knows he likes to do those the kind of recruits and receivers he likes. Uh, it was. It just it just seemed like a, like a natural fit, and I think with him uh, not only being the coordinator but also coaching the offensive line, that's going to be a that's going to be that's going to be a nice little boost to offensive recruits. Yeah, uh, especially the offensive line because the uh, offensive line play to me wasn't very good under Herb Hand, so I think they had to make an adjustment there. Uh, defensively, when you look at the staff, whether you're talking about Kwiatkowski coaching outside linebackers, um, his defense obviously at Washington who did really well Blake Gideon back on campus now as the safeties coach Terry Joseph comes from Notre Dame he is going to handle uh passing game coordinator and the uh cornerback so what were your thoughts there with how the defense was put together well I mean first off I thought I I, uh was not surprised uh by Chris Ash going to the NFL but I thought he was a guy that they were trying to keep because I thought he was kind of a rising name especially in that ranks obviously he goes to Jacksonville you're not going to turn down an NFL job when you can but uh, you know Blake Blake getting especially not considering I was just gonna say especially not with Urban Meyer because that was he loved Chris Ash so I mean they they worked together at Ohio State so that wasn't surprised to me at all well no I wasn't surprised but I I just thought they would try like a hard I would try they would try and keep him but obviously obviously they're wishing the best for that one yep you know I think uh, I think Texas they the last couple of years they've done a good job and and I kind of credit uh, Tom I, I do credit Tom Herman with this they've done a good job of getting better defensive recruits background left they hadn't had a consistently good defense they've had a handful of guys like uh, like Malik Jefferson or whoever come in and play good defense for them but they haven't had a good overall unit we see like a couple uh, they see they, they bring in guys like Vernon Broughton who was like the guy of, of defensive defense recruits and they, and they would bring him into the staff and so I think I think Sark what he was doing was he was giving he was getting guys that not only could recruit the kind of players that Texas wants, but could keep, but can continue to build the players that they do have because they do have a couple four and five star guys on there and they don't and they don't want to potentially lose them out of the transfer portal. Right. And you're talking about an Alfred Collins who was a five star composite signee uh at defensive tackle, mountain of a man. Um, you know, he can he can really be a a, a menace inside. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I think you, I agree with you 100% on that. They got some good linebackers, DeMarvian Overshow and Juwan Mitchell, but they're going to bring in more talent than just those guys. Um, and so, you know, I, I agree with you. I think they had to put together a system uh, quickly, uh, try to keep as many guys in-house and so they didn't lose more guys like a Jalen Green who left. Uh, but that's going to do it for this edition of the Locked on Longhorns podcast. Make sure you're checking out the work of Shane Carter. Now he's at longhornswire.usatoday.com. Follow him at Shane Carter TX on Twitter. That's gonna do it. That's gonna do it for us. I'll see you tomorrow. Welcome.